In times like these, being a citizen is a big job. Thank you for joining us to celebrate the virtues of self-rule and debate the state of our republic. Welcome to the Citizen's Prerogative Podcast. This is the voice of your nerdy host, Michael Piscatelli, and we are blessed with a co-host whose passion for our republic precedes him everywhere he goes, Raymond Wong Jr. Thank you, thank you, sir. I'm I'm comprised 60% of the topic we're going to discuss today. (laughs) This is episode number 29. We are still in season two. And we're going into a series of episodes here that we kicked off um, with 28, which was uh, the previous episode was rewilding. And today we're going to be covering back to basics around water. Very important. So episode 29, back to basics, all about water. And um, we'll, we'll have a call, call to action for you as well at the end of this. Um, maybe it'll be something you've heard before. We'll see. But uh, as far as the Back to the Basic series goes, we're, we're covering um, ba- basic things. We're talking about, we already talked about rewilding, which, um, you know, has to do with the climate. All of these other items will tangentially, of course, touch on the climate as well. Um, so we'll talk about water, food, power, shelter, and anything else that we think of before we get to the end of the series. <laughs> um, but water today, very timely, very important all life depends on water. Um, humans prefer clean, fresh water for drinking and many other things. Um, probably more things than we need to use fresh, delicious, clean water for. And so we're hoping to push the boundary on talking about water into territory. Maybe it hasn't been in your household. Um, you mean any- that grass doesn't appreciate fresh clean drinking water as well i think that they don't enjoy a dash of chlorine in the water we're giving them the grass and our yard yeah probably isn't uh isn't benefiting as much as maybe we do from from that and maybe isn't necessary so um that actually can kick us off in our first bullet up here because we're all we are all we are all those of us in the southwest and the western united states are going to be in a world of hurt for water here soon. Um, unlike bottling companies that we'll talk about <laughs> don't seem to be, maybe they'll be hurting. We'll see if, if any lawsuit comes to bear on them, but. Yes. Um, I, I think it's a good point, Michael. Let's just be very clear team team. I keep wanting to say when we talk about uh, this, this challenge, um, this is for us as citizens, we're focused on the citizens we'll talk about commercial interests separately because they're playing a different game than we are. And we'll talk about. Yeah. Big time. So the basic aspect of this is just, you know, making sure that we all have water and from a historical perspective, you may or may not be aware. um, Those of us in the Western part of the United States have the federal government to thank for the most part. Uh, Well, actually the whole country has the federal government to thank for the most part for building water infrastructure programs way back in the days after the Great Depression. Um, you know, we, most of our major infrastructure, this is why we're talking about reinvesting in infrastructure spending right now is a big topic because we haven't done it in decades on a mass scale. And so in the West, all the water systems that we have set up to distribute water, say, for instance, um, from the Hoover Dam, 
to Nevada, Arizona, Southern California. Arizona's last in line. I forgot to look up the article that was talking about that. But as far as water claims on like Lake Mead and, and up in the Hoover and all of that, Arizona's last in line when it runs out of water or you're the first to lose access to it. You're last in line with rights, Arizona, for that water because the federal government uh, worked with uh, the Central Valley authorities, right? And created Salt River Project and, and a few other things. Arizona said, you know what? We're going to have some additional infrastructure programs that we're going to build in our state. So we don't, we're okay signing up to be last in line for water rights coming out of there. Long story short, it's all complicated, right? LA needs a lot of water. A lot of that's coming from Hoover, Vegas, coming from Hoover. Um, all of the towns on the border uh, because the border between California and Arizona is the Colorado River, air quotes, right? Essentially, <laughs> whatever's left. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, and there's a lot of agriculture. I mean, that water goes towards a lot of agriculture. So then you look at California. California ships water from Northern California to Southern California, um, from the Bay Area. The Bay itself is a huge estuary and it um, is a, is it, is a holding tank for a lot of the water that we send to Central Valley for farming. And then on the border of, um, excuse me, on the border of California and Oregon, Klamath is a massive infrastructure program also controlled federally uh, for water distribution. And right now that's all locked up. Like all these systems are failing uh, at the same time because they're all dependent on the climate depositing water where it's always deposited water before. And that hydrology, the hydrology system in the world is changing. And there's more people and there's more farm, right? There's more farming going on. Um, so just to put a pin in this, because I know I'm, I'm running a little long in the tooth on the description, but the history is pretty big, um, pretty wide. But just to show you that water is important, it has been important for a really long time, and it takes a collective effort to make sure that our thirsts are quenched. And we're going into a very dark period right now. For instance, I'll just use Klamath as an example. Most people are not aware of it, but um, it's probably going to, it could become national news if like Ted Bundy likes and others show up to protest federal decisions to stop the flow of water to Canal A. The first time since Klamath was built, that infrastructure um, way back in whenever 30s 40s whenever it was finished this is the first time that the primary canal that feeds farms in the north which is like radishes potatoes onions some other stuff uh isn't flowing there's no surface water going to farmers right now and they put it on hold because they're trying to save salmon they're trying to save all these things and it's actually not even working the water levels are too low so everything we're doing to prevent the worst bleeding is just not working very well um, so I want to just segue a little bit to say that the reason you may be asking, you know, you know, Southwest, you're just talking about this region, but, um, the Southwest is unique in that we are the arid climate region for the United States. So folks, we will experience, and we are experiencing drought effects first. And Mike, like you said, you don't know if this will make national news. It really needs to make national news, but they're not, who's going to talk about it. It's not something that's affecting everyone locally. So 
folks, we do, we are going to speak a little bit from our expertise as desert dwellers. And this is going to be a problem in the Southwest. And we actually owe it to sound an alarm to the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And actually, thank you for that point, Ray, because I can probably bring it home to people across the country when it comes to inflation and the cost of food. There's a large number of grocery stores in the United States that are stocked from the bread basket in California. So I don't know, um, I don't know the statistics off the top of my head, but I do know that the majority of all kinds of fruits and vegetables, et cetera, et cetera, are grown in California and shipped all over the country and all over the world. Similarly in Arizona, right? Huge swaths of the desert have been converted into farmland. Um, slowly but surely, it's also now getting reconverted into uh, uh, model homes, <laughs> <laughs> track housing, track yeah. housing, <laughs> but owned one... by BlackRock. <laughs> oh gosh! Oh my gosh! Yeah, ETFs. ETFs need their um, housing developments to to fund. Sorry. Anyway, digression. House <laughs> finance. Um, but yeah, food, all the food comes from here, essentially in the United States. I mean, yeah, of course there's local farms and things like that across the country. The majority of the country's food comes from the West and the Southwest. So we, if, if these crops right now, we will see some number of crops fail guaranteed. It's already happening unless you're a, a farm that happens to have paid a sufficient amount of money to dig a well deep enough to still be siphoning groundwater um, because right now there's a race to the groundwater because there's no surface water being made available for farming so we won't know until we get you know through this season before we know exactly how bad it is and that means the cost of all of these products is going to go up so there's another you know not just disruptions in supply chain to cause a little inflation in consumer prices. But the, this drought across the entire Southwest is gonna is coming for our food bill. Right, and, and what I've been surprised as I drive, just talking about farms, as we, I drive between California and such, I'm surprised how many, how many farms are now just solar farms. As I pass through um, you know, the highway, some farms are just gone and it's nothing but a solar farm. And that's not good news for food production. Um, but what can you do if there is no water? And so this is, we're seeing the transition very much so right here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they want to make, you know, you want to make, you own the land, you want to make money off of it. So you convert your crop from food to electricity or whatever, you know, however you're utilizing the land. Um, so that's, I would say, part and parcel for the most part, why we feel like it's really important to talk about water um, today. And we want to share some perspectives with you to help you maybe think about it a little bit differently as well. Um, so we, we've spent a little bit talking about the history of our water projects. We know um, we talked about Arizona, California, the federal government plays a huge role because water is an interstate concern. Um, and these are interstate projects. So the federal government has to be the one that executes on them uh, for the most part. Or we need to be clear there. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you said that because that means, folks, that people very quote unquote, smart people in Washington were making water policy for the Southwest. Well, please understand when these projects and everything was kicked off, you mm -hmm. weren't traveling to the Southwest actively. 
Okay, you weren't when water policy was being developed, it was by a lot of senators and a lot of politicians and a lot of uh, republic or sorry, um, representatives, et cetera, in rooms that had never been to Arizona or California in their life. I mean, even big companies like Wells Fargo, they didn't even visit their operations in California until like for ages, right? So you did not commonly go from the East Coast to the Southwest. So a lot of people made these policies that we all live by. They never visited the Southwest, nor were we doing intelligence studies when all of these decisions were made. Yeah, and just for context on that, when you mentioned Wells Fargo, to just in case anybody doesn't know, that company was founded in 1852. Actually, they probably trace their history further back than 1852. I think it goes back to the Continental Congress because I'm sure one of their predecessors financed the first military or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, but the American yeah. Express corporate, you know, American Express, it was too risky. So they created the Wells Fargo to deal with the subsidized risk. So mm-hmm. American Express is much older. So yeah, the roots That's are true. They're down. Gold rush. Yeah. They, they created Wells Fargo to go capitalize on the gold rush. Uh, anyway, there's a little bit extra history lesson for you. And thank you, Ray. Cause yeah, the, the air quotes on wise decision-making and all of that, um, you know, we'd have to go look at Tennessee Valley authority. We'd have to go look at all those big public works projects. Um, I even forgot about that. Tennessee Valley authority is a huge watershed in the middle of the country with a whole bunch of lakes. And that was all constructed in the same manner as all these other projects we're talking about, whether it's Hoover or Klamath or, or anything like that. Um, so I think let's take a quick break and then segue into this whole pipeline. Here's a message from our sponsor, Citizen Do Good. Fulfilling a dream where all possess an intrinsic love for self-rule that is reciprocated with free speech and equal justice under the law, as well as access to water. Citizen Do Good values the promise of all of the amendments to the Constitution along with the original core documents. Taken together, they form a framework and an operating manual for our republic that provides us the means to change with the times. The time is now to deeply re-examine our current implementation of governance for the dawning of a very new day. We are a proud sponsor of the Citizens Prerogative Podcast, a major partner in spreading the good word about civic love and the power of change for us all. Help us to stay on mission, excuse me, help us to stay on mission and grow this community by rating the podcast with five stars on iTunes through the app on the web or on your device. If you don't feel like you can give us five stars, let us know why on our sponsor's Facebook page, Citizen Do Good. Like and follow it to help out even further. Also, make sure you join our newsletter at citizendogood.com. I'm a little behind on sending out updates, but you will get some updates every couple of months on our antics and not just the podcast. While you're there, check out the shop, which has your favorite merch and provides a way to make a one-time contribution to help us pay for production and for hosting. Feel free to share any suggestions you have directly through the Contact Us page. Thanks for your support. Oh, Ray, I can't wait to redo some of these mid-rolls. Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to say that you uh, you should probably just keep that little mess up you did because you've successfully done mid-rolls like 30 times without a mess. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. I, I think it's impressive. I was actually shocked. I was like, whoa, keep it Oops. in. It's <laughs> much like water. It's fluid. You know, it's just, it just, it just flows. Just flows. Oh, good deal. So speaking of bringing us back to water and flow, 
Um, we need a new pipeline. We need to redo this thing. Cause I mentioned when I was talking about the history that we built it on old hydrology, hydrological assumptions. I think I just made up a word, but we assume, right. Uh, oh, it goes and rains in the Sierra and we collect snowpack and we collect water and lakes and then we drink it. But that means it always has to snow or it always has to rain and it always has to rain in the mountains that feed the valleys that collect behind the dam. If it rains anywhere but the watershed, that's a watershed area in case people aren't familiar with this terminology, you know, watershed is just where water travels. And so when it rains in the mountains, it travels down because of gravity into the valleys, into the rivers, tributaries. We put a dam and say, hey, you stay here. We're gonna collect you here so we can drink you later. <sighs> Well, that's worked pretty well for a while mm -hmm. until we mucked everything up. And it's going to be difficult to tell. You, you can't predict where water is going to fall. You can't predict where rain is going to happen. We just hoped and assumed it would continue to fall and rain in the same ways and same places as it did in the past. Climate change is going to challenge us on that 100%. And we're starting to see it, like Ray said. Um, the canary in the coal mine, if I can use a very old phrase, it just means the early warning signal indicator is flashing red. Drought. So we need new infrastructure. Sorry, Ray. We're... I just want to stress that the, the old infrastructure had a original purpose too. It was it was flood control, folks. Like the, these these rivers and these right. there there was a reason to build them, and it was a flood control. But the, the the happy accident was a reservoir of water to also drink from. So we're not saying that we're we can back away from this model because you can't just blow up the dams. The waters will take over, and we will not be able to manage our, our you know our housing property lines on the rivers. So really, they they don't we don't we just repurpose them. They become flood control and they have reservoirs in case there's more water than expected, but we don't rely on them anymore. Take the reliance out. Yeah, the best we can. And, and that's a great point because building new infrastructure does not mean we demolish the old infrastructure, right? We should, and this goes to adding resiliency. We should always be adding, adding layers, adding options, you know, never only having one source or one way to do something. We need options more than ever because of all of the changes, both society-wise and environmentally. To be more resilient, we need networked infrastructure, layers of networked infrastructure, both centralized and decentralized. I mean, Ray and I would probably argue a preference for decentralization, <laughs> but there are times and purposes and, and, and good reasons to, to centralize certain things. So anyway, I sorry, I got on a soapbox about that. Um, but talking about building new infrastructure to solve old water problems is, uh, there's actually an easy solution. I, I was surprised, but I shouldn't have been surprised. It's called a pipeline. So we're experiencing issues in the Southwest, but the United States overall has no problem with water. The United States overall gets plenty of rain over all of its square footage to provide enough drinking water for everybody in the country. Time's over. The problem is, is that the rain doesn't fall where, we, where it used to, 
where we expected it to. And then if any of the forecasts, the models for climate change are, are accurate, um, and you can research this information on your own if you're curious, there's plenty, there's a, a several climate maps out there. I can't recall if it's like ProPublica, ProPublica Center for Investigative Reporting, any one of those sites, if you go out there, they will show you um, future model maps where you can see, well, what will um, the future of fire look like? What will the future of rain look like? What will the future of climate look like in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years based on current conditions, current rates of change? And so you just see the whole Western US getting drier and the whole mid, or, mid part of the country getting wetter. That, that's what I noticed on those models, which means we need, we need the infrastructure to move the water. We need to move the water west. It doesn't make sense to move everybody east. <laughs> oh no, the gray migration, not, we can't do it now. Does not make sense. We, we want people really, as far as the nation's concerned, we want people everywhere. We want people on, you know, everywhere in the United States as much as possible um, for a lot of reasons, a lot of different reasons, but also doing it environmentally sensitively and soundly. Um, but back to water, build a pipeline for life so we can move the water west and we can have our bread baskets and we can satisfy our thirst and at the same time learn the lesson of conservation, right? And instead of having these pipeline oils that are risking our water supplies and our watersheds, let's transfer the water. Let's keep well, it flowing balance it right okay so like for every oil pipeline you get a wider water pipeline okay let's make a deal and 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 water infrastructure is a challenge that most major cities face especially the older cities so we really need to took, take a big look at infrastructure and cities are flooding right cities are not designed to intake the amount of raid water the amount of swelling of the rivers but what if we were designed what if that river just overflowed right into a massive pipeline and went to the Southwest and it was never a major issue again because the biggest problem is displacement, right? That's the big issue. What do you do? There's just so much water. You got to displace it. You've got to put it somewhere. But if we worked on that, I mean, there are other nations like um, I'll throw out Japan who build massive underground, basically crypts (laughs) that just deal with massive inflows of rainwater oh, storm surge um the, yeah, storm, the storm surge, surge right storage, it's a yeah, city in itself mm-hmm. it's as big as the city yeah, like even billions of cubic feet of volume of of water it can store or something left empty 99 percent of the time yeah right but yep. there to deal with it and so the same thing in the united states major investments right they they have to try harder because they have very limited land we are we've just gotten a little lazy with water responsibility and um and we talk about the accessibility next right because that's the big thing so i, I want to get onto accessibility before we run yeah. out of time because you're right the pipeline would then create competition for accessibility we'd have more water right you know, water is an interesting thing because we've always been a supply side and, and try and make water as cheap as possible. That's, that's always, theoretically, I would say that's been the goal of every water system we've set up is to provide water as cheaply as possible and make it as abundant as possible. And that's great unless you're trying to conserve, unless you're trying to get people to act responsibly and things like that. So um, one quick segue before, yeah, we get onto the, equitability of access. A 
there's um, an article that I'm, I'm looking at and it'll be included in the show notes, but um, one of the questions they throw up here is about, is it, is it just a problem of supply or do we also have a little bit of a demand issue that we need to adjust? And, you know, I think we all can agree that there's something on the demand side. So here's some statistics. If you don't agree with us off the top of your head, Americans use more water per capita than almost anyone else in the world almost three times as much as the Chinese, double that of Japan, and 14 times more than the Danes. The highest domestic water use is in the driest Western U.S. states. <laughs> Sorry, Ray. Arizona residents use 147 gallons per day compared to just 51 gallons in Wisconsin. And that doesn't come as any surprise to anyone, right? Because of how heavily irrigated the golf courses are. <laughs> like it burns off. Most of it burns off as you put it, it into the air. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh, true though. It's true. Yeah. Well, the situation in California is much better better because we have a huge outsized population, massive agriculture, massive agriculture with unlimited ground pumping of water that's totally unregulated or tracked or measured. Well, it is measured. It's measured by NASA from space. And the whole Central Valley of California is sinking. One city is sink almost 12 feet over the last 14 years. Or inches, not feet. I don't know. I'll have to go look at the statistic. But either way, there's so much water being pumped out of the ground in California. It is sinking. And it's measurable from space. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You, you, rewilding, right? Restoring the watershed. I, I, I hope that we... You, you understand that availability of water is, is a big challenge here. And, and Arizona is a huge loser in the water policies that have been formed salt river. And, and I think it's the Santa Cruz river through Tucson. Those used to be flowing rivers. You could run boats down them and we're not there anymore. And, and something has to be said about that level of loss. So this idea about getting back to reservoirs and that makes and frankly, I don't know if the water would be clean, but it'd be accessible. I mean, you could get it from the river. Nothing stops you from having a drink of water from the river um, if it was flowing. Right. Yeah. If there was surface water available, you can filter it. Yeah, we can filter it. So that we're saying that accessibility of water is also restoring these waterways and these watersheds that we're kind of talking about that would have naturally flowed throughout the year nonstop. Mm -hmm. The problem is it flooded out to, frankly, it went to two places, the ocean or Mexico. And that's another thing we don't talk about. All the water that we stopped in these dams, its destiny was Mexico. We took that water from Mexico. No questions asked. So Arizona can at least look down on Mexico, I suppose, who got nothing in a lot of these, a lot of these instances of stop. It's quite a trickle. It's, it's, yeah, it's not a trickle now. It was a trickle before the droughts. Um, and that's a weird thing about water rights. Um, I don't know if it's international or just our laws, um, but whoever's upstream has rights to the water, essentially, back in the olden days. So you can build the dam. like you can. You, if no water made it downstream, no water made it downstream. Well, it's not your fault. Remember, it was private con. Remember, we, had, we yeah, didn't we cover it? Some people built their own dam on private, the land they didn't own. Mm -hmm. You know, private investors went in and built their dams. Maholland. There we go. We in LA. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, so we digress, but yeah, it's I. 
as far as accessibility goes, I think if we can just keep, you know, we've, we've got to upgrade, make sure that water is made available as cheaply and widely as possible. But also, I think we, we probably need to look at ration components and things like that. But before we're putting any rations on individuals, we need to look at what's going on with commercial operations, right? Because farms and, for instance, Nestle Corporation just sold off a company um, that was pumping water out of California for quite some time. Let's see here. On average, Nestle sucked up 25 times as much water as it may have had a right to. Um, it looked like they were supposed to be taking 2.3 million gallons per year, and they were taking up to 58 million gallons. And California authorities had started reaching out to them, and they just sold off that company um, to One Rock Capital Partners and Metro Populous. So Switzerland owns Nestle. Switzerland. <laughs> Nestle is based in Switzerland. <laughs> and they're like, uh-oh. We, you know, we bought, you know, they, however they had this company and now California is reaching out to them and they probably got nervous and they're like, Hey, let's just sell this to some set of Americans that knows how to deal with this type of thing or whatnot, make it go away. Oh gosh. It's awful. And that's what you see is that, you know, the, the, the commodity of, of water, water, we, we really need to be careful about this situation where more and more we're bringing bottled trucked water into the homes. And really we just need to raise the quality of the free, of the not free, but the, 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 the true water source, which is the core. And, and like you said, Michael, responsible use. If we're dumping gallons and gallons of water into our lawns, is there a better way to approach that? So your own resiliency is at stake here. Yeah. And back to the comment you made on rewilding because climate is always the factor in water for us and rewilding is a course of action that helps us restabilize the earth why putting it back to normal earth figured out how to create a stable climate long before we started mucking around with it um so i mean there there are some arguments to be made over thousands of years of us becoming an agrarian um set of animals <laughs> because we did start changing the climate in Mesopotamia, <laughs> way, way back when. Um, and we've been doing it ever since, right? Uh, but now we've done it astronomically. And rewilding is a great way for us to start going back to it. And like you said, equitable access to that water. How fun would it be if Salt River, if the Salt River flowed well enough for everybody to kind of enjoy it whenever they wanted and not just Tempe Town Lake users? as an example, right? Klamath right now, just to bring that home there as well, you know, um, before all of this latest news about closing Klamath to try and hold enough water in the lake for uh, various reasons, various reasons that have been negotiated, um, they're talking about demolishing a lot of the dams. They want to rewild the Klamath River system. Um, there's a couple of dams they're proposing keeping specifically for the purpose of irrigation and whatnot for water, but most of the other dams were created for flood control and other reasons that don't, they're, they're just not as effective as they once were. And maybe we're not building in the same place as we were. So there's this huge program right now where they're starting to deconstruct those dams so that they can restore the ecosystem because we like to eat salmon and Native Americans like to eat salmon. And, and maybe they don't just eat salmon. Maybe they have cultural rights around salmon, I believe. So 
why not life begets life let's let's try and restore things and and if we can get our water right if we can use infrastructure to manage our water so that we're not destroying ecosystems at the same time then let's do it and that's jobs more infrastructure is more jobs it is and manicured i think about you were saying manicured rewilding it will it'll breed a whole new industry in professionally rewilding within guidelines bringing your bringing you back into line with nature but i do stress michael because of the water situation that i do think we have to reinvent um, the watersheds of rewilding we were talking about this earlier um, on the behind the scenes that um, gray water right we need to use gray water and certain things and return them to the earth right around us and we need to stop um, and we need to basically recreate the watershed, right? So I'm not going to be able to get any creek or stream flowing anytime soon under current wallet water policy. But what if we started to generate our own using our gray waters or using commercial gray water? Because, uh, I mean, I would imagine those office parks are generating a ton of just hand wash water, right? Why isn't that channeled into a little canal or tributaries that are there still? Right. I don't know about your region, but we still have washes that are dry that we leave to be ready when water does come. Right. Mm -hmm. Why don't we put water in them? Yeah, there's a thank you for bringing that up because there are a ton of secondary uses for gray water. Black water obviously has to get processed. Gray water probably requires some amount of processing, um, but there's no reason why you can't use that for all the irrigation you might need. Right. You, you extract the soap out of the, you know, the sink water and, and honestly toilets, like why do we flush toilets with fresh drinkable water? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you know, it's like that, that we can totally redesign the system. So it's way more efficient and, and better for us and better for the environment. And there's another point we're not going to get to, cause we're going to run out of time, but we really don't have a lot of information on this not just taking the soap out of the water, but I mean, we were going so far as to talking about, and I don't know if they're doing this already, right? But we we excrete millions and billions and trillions of dollars of pharmaceuticals out of our pee every year. Not only does it then end up in the oceans and, and change the sexuality of fish and all that, but, um, you know, we theoretically a pharmaceutical company could probably reclaim those chemicals repackage them and put them out there so i mean uh that's a whole nother story yeah. <laughs> that's a digression. I mean, but it's a good it's 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 a, it's a fun digress because what you have to think about is the opportunity so these systems were built a long time ago i think we need to appreciate our heritage but stop thinking that people had it together before it's, it's just not there. We need to reinvest, reinvent, and think about water wisely. And so I think that, again, the call to action mainly is look at your own resiliency. I'd say more so let's look at your own resiliency, but we're going to kind of help with that because I can see us, Michael, doing broadcasts from some rewilding projects in the future um, once things get a little back to normal, mm -hmm. um, seeing if we can broadcast from those remote locations, not so remote for Phoenix for like the Rio Salado project, but I'm excited to kind of show this to the public and we discuss it. So for now, I really would like everyone to understand where your water comes from. Probably more important than anything, you know, um, looking at your resiliency is good. You should do that every day, but start to take some time to understand where's your water coming from? Yeah. What are you subjected to? 
you know, what, what's the source? Do they pump it straight out of the river? Do they filter it? Does it go through a chemical process? Like what's going on in your situation? Because you want to know what in Ferguson, there were a lot of people that were not staying informed about the water scenario. And then th they let their leaders just pump contaminated water into the system, right? So we all have to be wise about water because when it gets desperate and if we're not ready for the conversation, that's going to be the worst part. Detroit. Detroit. Let's hope. Let's make poor Detroit, hopefully, the canary in the coal mine, and there doesn't have to be any more, any more examples of how we can mess up our water system. Um, yeah, look at your resiliency. Look at where your water comes from. Do your part to use less when and how you can. Um, that's going to help for everyone. But ultimately, we all know that we have to figure out what we're doing with farming and some of these commercial operations too, um, because they're using more, probably more than their fair share of water. But we need to eat. So, you know, that's something we've got, that's a balance we've got to figure out. Irrigation, right? Like it's, I, I keep thinking like that, like that is an Egyptian technology. It is very, it's Mesopotamian. It's yeah. extremely, you said like, well, since we've been agrarian. So yeah. that's even older than the modern industry and we're still using irrigation. So why have we not leaped to greenhouses or massive hydro, you know, um, I'm getting it wrong, but you know, hydro farming. It, oh, yeah. it is really, yeah, hydroponics. Thank you. It is, it is beyond baffling to me. And why is because that takes a huge investment and nobody wants to do it. People want to scrape the money off the top. Nestle wants to pump more than their fair share out of the ground. Everybody's just interested in not investing and making the money while they're here on earth. Yeah, you're right. I totally forgot about hydroponics because that's, that's huge. Hydroponics is an amazingly sustainable way to raise crops, healthy, fully nutritious, right? Right. Crops because you control the nutrients, no pesticides no because pesticides. the pests can't survive without their base soils. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll have to cover that. Well, we've got more topics, food. We'll cover that when we talk about food. I think that makes sense. So um, <laughs> learn, learn about water, learn about where it comes from, learn about how you can use less. And if you're so inclined is to figure out how to do rainwater collection for yourself to be more resilient. Now look at your local laws. You're going to be, it'll be funny for you to find out that it's illegal for you to collect rainwater because that is a thing in a yeah. lot of places. Well, you can't compete, right? Like when the water companies were starting to establish, how unfair of them if they have to compete with free water. <laughs> so you get the municipality to say, yeah, can't get yeah, that's not how you can't collect rainwater. How are they going to compete with free water? You're not allowed to get your own water. You got to get it from us. Well, I'm telling you, go figure out how to get your own water. <laughs> Be resilient. Use less. Um, and then let's support new investments in infrastructure. That's the biggest thing we can do. I mean, I don't know how often we're going to be telling you to call your senators. I don't have a program. We don't have a program up right now. Um, you know, like Bill HR1 we were talking about before, but locally and nationally keep an eye out because there's nothing but opportunity as well. Um, not just the infrastructure, but for you big thinkers out there, you problem solvers, you inventors, there's some new technology potentially that can come to bear here as well, like capturing water from the air. More money. 
right yep all right i think that's gonna do us we're over a little so. bit yeah yes that's okay we're doing good we're shorter than we were <laughs> oh we have been your hosts thank you to mr raymond wong jr and thank you mr Viscatelli. i've genuinely had more fun and been less irresponsible than a water park Mm. i feel thirsty (laughs) (laughs) something all right i gotta get some water (laughs) this has been something that's for sure for information on this and other episodes head over to citizenduga.com and click on podcast while you're there hit up our contact us page and leave a comment we'd love to hear from the community Special thanks to your listeners. We save the best for last. You are the best and you have been for years. Thank you for your support. We know it's painful and we love you. Intro music sampled from OK Class by Ozzy Jock under Creative Commons license through freemusicarchive.org. Other music provided royalty free through Fesley and Studios, Inc. 